You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Check, 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 check. All right. Ready? Yep. Hey everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason. And Chris, you did hit record, correct? Yeah, we're all very okay. concerned. <laughs> yeah, let's do the little red button. Yeah, we've been goofing off and Chris already like rebuked me for eating a cookie cake. Um, How old was that cookie cake? I don't know. So, I didn't eat breakfast or lunch and we came in here and I found... A leftover cookie cake in the youth room uh, from Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, I thought it tasted good. But then we couldn't decide if that was if there was mold on it or that was the green food coloring. And so Chris, with his influence, thought it was best to throw it away. So for your hell, yeah, and it just ruined my lunch. Um, so it, yeah. Or save my life, one of the two. <laughs> so we didn't record last week, but we are back. Um, what you said Sunday, people were like, "Where's the podcast?" Um, By people, is there like one Michelle? Okay, <laughs> Michelle Gray asked. Where? Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, anyone else said anything. So. <laughs> um. But anyways, so, but we're back, and uh, I I've, I guess I've already given you my answer, but not oh. in the recording. So what's, Easter is upon us. Um, when you go into Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Easter stuff is everywhere, uh, which it's kind of been for a while now. Like as soon as yeah, like Valentine's Day over. It was over. Um, did, did you do like Easter baskets for the kids? Do I? No. Never? I have. But not since they're grown. I just give them something. Money, mostly. Do you? Why? Like, they get an Easter basket from my my grandma. I know Jesus rose from the dead, but here's $5. Yeah, well, I I know Jesus rose from the dead. Here's a basket full of candy. That's fair. That's a fair (laughs) point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> so, well, speaking of candy, okay. what's your favorite Easter-related candy? I want to make a point first about these candies. They're all accessible year-round. They just changed the shapes to like spring-type. Yeah, and creatures. I have I have a a statement about that here okay. in a moment. But I guess my absolute favorite. Would be the Reese's peanut butter cups or peanut butter eggs. Those are good. Um, but I'm also a big fan of like all the Wonka Easter candies too. <laughs> like runts and sweet tarts. Oh. <laughs> and stuff like that. Do you like banana runts? Yeah. I love you even them. eat banana runts? Man, okay, let me tell you a little story about runts real quick. That has oh, nothing to do with ugh. anything. When I was younger, like in high school. Yeah. My parents would, they, Sam's was different back then. It's kind of like 
commercializing it yeah. or whatever. But back in the day, they had like these big, huge bags. They might still have them, these big, huge bags of rents, and they would always get me a big bag for Christmas. And you'd eat all the banana runts. I eat all every one I of can't the runts. Do, I can't do runts anymore unless it's chewy runts. No, no, really? No. You eat the ones you're like, is this metal? What is? <laughs> what is this made out of? <laughs> and uh, they're amazing. Nope. 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 Do you ever put like you get a hollow Easter bunny, chocolate Easter bunny, and then put peanut butter in it? You ever no. done that? We used to. I mean, I've gotten them hollow easter but i've never thought to put peanut butter in it it's good it's good yep it's a easter hack and lots of people don't know about it so just wanted to share that um all right well that's all the time we have thanks for joining us for behind the easter candy you didn't you didn't even answer um i'll summarize uh i i like lots of candy um, true that. And I've told you, I've been buying every time I go to the store and I, I go check to see what kind of new jelly beans they have. And cause we usually get starburst, but, yeah, those are good. um, I think everyone else caught on and so they make them on all these different kinds. My favorite right now is these sour patch kid jelly beans. They're so good. They're, they're delicious. And so uh, they hit all the spots. They taste just like Sour Patch Kids, but with the jelly bean texture. And like you were mentioning, they should be selling this stuff all year long because I would buy it. Yeah. Um, Most of yeah. them they do. I guess they don't. I mean, do you like Cadbury eggs? No, but I've never had one. I don't what? like the way they look. <laughs> no, not at all. But not yeah. tried it. No. All right. Well, that that should be our. Our challenge this year, we'll get Matthew in here rather than eating a hot chip. Not the hot chip challenge, we'll just eat a Cadbury egg. You don't like the way it looks? Yeah, I don't like the way it looks. I'm a visual. If I don't like the way something... Now, there are a few exceptions. Like, I don't like the way tomatoes look. I don't like to look at a tomato. Like, I can't eat a tomato by itself. And you like apples? But I like tomatoes, like, on salad and... A sandwich because I can't Gosh, see it. That's something buried. that comes up in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other vegetables that uh, you discriminate against? I mean, like I don't like the way guacamole looks, but I like guacamole. Uh, yeah. Speaking, of Jenny, if you ever need guacamole, hire Jenny to make uh, her guacamole. So yeah, Stephen doesn't. If I don't like the way it looks, yep. and I'm not because you eat joined it. the Super Bowl party, I did, and Jenny made the best guacamole. I don't think I had any, but yeah, I told her I said, "Look, you every time it's great, but for whatever, like tonight, it it was perfect." That's weird that yep. you had all your small group make food and bring it. How's that weird? Oh, you just because <laughs> they don't never want to do it. I know, <laughs> I know. So then I'm stuck <laughs> eating pals again. Yep. Man, do you, like this morning I was driving and the Hardee's line is like down the street. And I'm like, who is keeping Hardee's in business? It's in a horrible spot. Yeah, but everything on that side is I know, just a horrible spot. They're like lined up down the road and like Hardee's is giving away, I don't know, not Hardee's. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. We're in 1 Samuel 12. We answered this question, what should I do as a Christian? Uh, 
This was going back to a three-point sermon. Um, point one, obey God's word so it will go well with you. All right, Jason, starting off with you. What warning is Samuel given the people in his testimony? Yeah, and I had mentioned that uh, it it it's kind of set up where um, Samuel testifies before the people. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then Samuel testifies about God before the people. So this first uh, bit, he just talks about, like, did I take anything from you? An ox, donkey, did I oppress you? And I, when I first read that, I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how many commentaries pointed it out. Maybe I, they did, and I just I'm trying to take credit for it. I don't know. <laughs> but... Um, it was just such a clear reminder, like in Samuel's uh, Samuel's testimony, he's indicting them. So, like I've been faithful, I've been righteous, mm-hmm. um, and yet you still cho- chose the king, and the king will not be anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same warning from First Samuel chapter eight, where the king will he'll oppress you, he'll take everything from you. Um, so. I think that's kind of what Samuel's getting at in many different ways, but at least one of the things he's getting at. Um, So, in summary, he's telling them, I've treated you well, Mm -hmm. the king will not, um, or will not always treat you well. So, to you, we're talking about obedience. How does love motivate obedience? Um, Our relationship with uh, Christ Jesus should be growing stronger daily. So with that, our love for Jesus should grow stronger daily, and we would want to be obedient with the way we live our lives and follow his commandments. So we obey because we love. Uh, Our love for Christ should motivate us to serve him and and obey his commands. That's good. Did you get that at small group? I don't think so. Chris started attending small group again, and um, so we can get answers. Yeah, they, uh, well, they were more serious than they usually are. Well, I mean, other than Jesse, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you get, if you get Gabe in there, well, honestly, like it's obnoxious. I'll tell, I've told him to his face. It's obnoxious how Gabe, how smart Gabe is. It's unbelievable. I told Mary, Mary Felty, like your husband is so unbelievably smart. Like he, he talks about things. That I should know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I went to seminary, and he's just talking in circles around it, and I'm like, yeah, cool. Like I don't, I should know it, but, um, so Gabe Gabe brings a, up a lot of great insight at small group, but sometimes so, him and Jesse and people, they'll just, I mean, it, the rails, everything's come off the rails. So, <laughs> but no, they were pretty serious this time, so. I don't know. I was just there for the cookies that Mary made. They were, they were what were the they coffee, like? The coffee, coffee yeah. chocolate cookies. I mean, oh, so I took a bunch home, and I tried to eat all of them before I got home, and I was like gonna get sick, and I there was two left, and so uh, I had them in a little bowl and put them on the counter, and uh, came back. Your kids stole. 
No, I put the kids to bed and came yeah. back and the bowl was empty. I, t- I showed it to Corey and she was like, yeah, you'll be sick. Glad you ate them all. I said, I didn't eat these. And Arlo, yeah, he destroyed the final two cookies. So I hope he enjoyed every bit of them. It's like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you have a dog like that, the dogs don't steal food and chew it. Oh, no. He just just swallowed. I mean, it's... Yeah. But he ate those last two cookies. Pretty disappointing. All right. Where are we at? Back to you. Jason, why is obedience better than sacrifice? I'm referencing a passage that we will go over, but this is first or first Samuel 15, starting in verse 22. And Samuel said, "Has the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen to the fat of the rams." I did read that on Sunday, but. For whatever reason, those verses um, didn't hit for me until a few years ago. I mean, obviously, I read through the Bible several times, and we had to do it again. You had to do it in Bible college. You had to do it in seminary. Like, I try to read it every year. Like, I've I've read that a lot, but for whatever reason, those verses it wasn't until a few years ago, um, and I don't know if it was in a sermon that Bob in our last church preached, or he just said it. Like during the week, I just it just never clicked for me, um, and it's wild. Like I think it is wild to hear something your whole life and it not sink in. Yeah, I think it's definitely a work of the Spirit when things. That's why we pray on Sundays that the Holy Spirit will give us understanding. And because yeah. I can teach things and people can hear them intellectually, but until it goes down into their heart that's not i can't that's not a work i can do or they can do so but anyway sacrifice to answer the question sacrifice doesn't always drive us to obedience but obedience always drives us to sacrifice um in the case of saul which apparently we'll look at this sunday he thought he was doing something right by making the sacrifice without the presence of the priest in reality he was ignoring the word of god Give some examples. Uh, that would be like, I'll give several examples, but that would be like skipping church every week to feed the poor and telling everyone, like, I don't attend, but I'm I'm being the church. I'm like, yeah, cool, but you're ignoring the mandate of gathering with the saints and studying the word. And that works in reverse order. That's like if you're always attending church and studying the word and praying, but you don't ever love or help those that are in need yeah. you're likewise doing the same um but i didn't i don't have this written down and i think it, it it's a it's a healthy reminder of how easy it is to be involved in ministry and church life and not be obedient mm-hmm. um like i just as i guess a public confession into the mic like i've struggled um really the past few weeks to be reading my Bible with any consistency other than, you know, what's necessary to prep. Right. Um, but just for own personal devotion, it's so easy to fall into that and then still serve and sacrifice. And then everyone on the outside thinks, well, you're doing great because they see the serving and the sacrificing. They don't see the lack of obedience. Yeah in the background. Yeah. And so I think that that 
it's a danger for myself and many people because it, it that's what implodes your life. Um, you can implode your life. That's why everyone's like, I can't believe that was going on. I'm like, yeah, because all you saw was sacrifice. And, you know, that yeah, they seemed like they were a loving, serving person. You didn't see all the stuff in the background. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. You can ignore your heart, what's going on in your heart, and sacrifice. Um, but it's hard to do that with obedience. Yep. Uh, which is kind of Saul's story. Maybe we're coming up with the points for Sunday in real time. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, all right. Should we obey every law in the Bible? I gave you this answer because, or this question, because I, I did want to hear what you had to say on it. And it was an important question to answer that I didn't feel like I, I got to on Sunday. So. We say we should obey the Bible, but should we obey everything in the Bible? How do we know what to obey? I would say no, because uh, I don't. We couldn't even if we tried to I don't know a point. Um, to obey every law. As far as how how do we know what you obey? I have two uh, verses here. I have Matthew twenty two uh, thirty seven through thirty nine, and he said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart." And with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then I also have Galatians 6, 2 that says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I would say that if we're following the law of Christ, I think it will cover. It would cover most of the laws anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, and. I don't know. Um, I think I mentioned that small group, Tim Keller has some good information on this question. Because I like what you said. It's things I didn't think about or bring up um, that we quickly ignore. Um, but on the, the other side of that, I think people can use what you said and... Um, to justify ignoring other things in the Bible. For instance, love your neighbor means, you know, never call out sin. You know, Um, love your neighbor is, uh, you know, if like love is love. And so what they could use it if they take the verse out of context. Yeah, well, most people do. Well, yeah, that's... <laughs> um, yeah. There's there's things in the Old Testament that are not for us, um, right? You know, I, I mean, you had moral law, you had ceremonial law. Yeah. Um, so those are things, just good things to think through. Um, you know, as we read the Bible, you're like, all right, God told Saul to kill these enemies. Does that mean I can go? Does God calling me to kill my enemies? And you're like, no, like that's, like that's wildly out of context. So, to your point, and you mentioned it, we have to look at the context of that passage and say, is this written uh, universally for all time, or is this written right. to a specific group of people? Which is usually where you find the ceremonial and civil laws written to just Israel, but there is a moral law mm-hmm. that you see throughout. The entire Bible, uh, just to make everyone, uh, you know, we're not everyone, but uh, 
maybe a lot of people upset. You had the Levitical law at times where uh, it talks about stoning or killing a homosexual. And you're like, all right, well, does that mean that's what we should do today? Or does that mean that's uh, just for Israel and uh, it doesn't matter if someone's a a homosexual today? I would say, well, you have to look at there's a moral law and a civil law that's happening in that passage. So just for Israel, they're trying to keep the nation holy Uh among the other pagan nations. And there were extreme measures. It doesn't mean that that was happening all the time um, or if ever. I don't know. But it's certainly present. We're not going to ignore that. That's that's heavy. That's a pretty difficult passage. Um, But what does that mean for us today? Well, we're not following the civil law. Uh, We're not killing or or telling anyone to kill a homosexual but the moral law of is that still right well we can look at the new testament Mm -hmm. and say what does the new testament say about uh, homosexuality or any sexual ethics um and still apply those to today and i think you can clearly see um correct or biblically accurate sexual ethics in the new testament talking about uh, one male, one female, in the context of marriage. Um, so that's a super unpopular thing to talk about. Yeah. But it it is a helpful understanding because I think we've all, I've certainly at times be like, well, I'm not gonna. How do you follow the Bible? You're just picking and choosing. Like you're just picking. You're gonna ignore the that passage in Leviticus, and but you know pick other passages. I'm like, no, we're just reading things in context. Yeah. We're not reading everything in the Bible through a 2023 Western lens, um, so nor should anyone. Um, right. So it's difficult, but all right. Am I gonna get canceled with anything I just said? I mean, it's nothing that you haven't said before, so I don't think that's so. true. So probably we get thrown in prison at some point. Uh, two. Repent of your sins so that you will not die. Like, this is not getting any better. <laughs> uh, so just, not getting better. How does, uh, how does God get our attention in our sin? Two examples from John's gospel. Uh, John 14, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Then later in chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away, the the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send them to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And it goes on there. But it's the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to reveal the truth of the Word. Mm -hmm. So the Spirit convicts us according to the Bible. How does God go about doing that? Um, well, he through the teaching of his word. I mean, that's why, um, many reasons why it's so important for us to read the Bible and we teach through the Bible on Sundays. Yeah. Um, so we can see ourselves for who we really are. It's a mirror. Like, what do yeah. you, um, you know, what do you, what do you really like before this holy God? Uh, so through the teaching of his word and then, 
I'd carefully say through life situations that bring us back to what we were taught. So it's not that you'll have this life-changing, um, eternity-changing thing happen to you through a life experience, but that life experience might drive you back to the teaching of God's Word yeah. through the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned on Sunday, um, like sometimes you you might need to be punched in the mouth um, for to, to see yourself for what you really are. Um, and we're referencing like Samuel prays and the Lord sends thunder and rain and it ruins the wheat harvest in the text. And then Israel's like, oh, <laughs> we've added to all our sin. Like we chose a king. And Samuel's like, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, I told you that. <laughs> we, you could have just <laughs> repented before and kept your wheat harvest. Um, and I think <clears throat> we all struggle with this, but um, I'd say that would be our attention. I brought up um, at small group, like, I've heard people with, um, with very serious cancer tell me, yeah. like, uh, that sometimes they feel guilty being serious about the Lord now that now that they honestly now that they might die and just I mean I've told people I don't know if how helpful it was but I've 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 told people with stage four cancer like maybe it's you know God had to punch you in the mouth with this to get your attention and that's the most gracious thing that could have happened to you Um, and there's story after story of that of like men and women that are that are in glory with with the Lord forever, uh, because the Lord got through their attention through some really difficult things. Yeah. Um, so I carefully say that just because people can use that and take that out of context. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So not everything difficult in your life is is God saying, "What's your sin? What are you doing with?" You know. Um, like that, uh, remember that blind kid in the new in the New Testament, and they're like, "What is oh, what's, what's his, his sin?" sin? Yeah. And they're like, "It wasn't his sin; it was to show off God's glory," which we don't like that either. I mean, but I don't, I don't know which one. Uh, take your choice. But all right, how how does sin lead to death? Uh, let's see. For the wages of sin is death. So there's a payment uh, due for sinning. It's got to be paid. Uh, sin separates us from a holy God. So if the sin issue is not cared for, then we'll have to bear that burden ourselves. And I wanted to answer more, but it's in a few more questions. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. So, Jason, how is sin like debt? You kind of already answered it. Um I'd say to it, sin that is ignored will lead us down a path of eternal death. Um, that Christ came to pay the debt and load the bank account. Meaning he paid our sin debt, but if that's all he did, you and I have a zero bank account. Right. That doesn't make you in great standing before the Holy God. You still need his righteousness. So he loads the bank account with your righteousness. Um, However, I thought this was a helpful quote. Um, This guy's name is Owen. I can't say his last name. Um, 
not because he's like a, you know, I can't, I mean, can't we can, we can, yeah, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> okay. We can legally say his last <laughs> name. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you his last name. So just because our sin debt is paid for doesn't mean that we don't struggle. You know, like we still struggle with sin. Um, we still have to fight sin. And yeah. I thought his quote was good. It says, and these and many other ways we approach our sin, like we approach financial debt. We attack it. Mm. We're not content to live with it. We get a plan to remove it. We take steps to fight it. We invite accountability and ask prayer from fellow church members to overcome it. And we pray to eradicate it. Mm. So just because that debt is paid for doesn't mean that you're like, cool, well then I'll just... You know, I'll make sure, you know, that it's a large debt. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. And that article already mentioned, like, yeah, but you've offended a holy God. So mm-hmm. it's large. It's large enough, I promise. Um, so, all right. What does it mean? Is this, did I, did yeah. I poo on your parade and so, you I mean, pooed no, on my parade? These yeah. are all, it's all my fault with these questions. So what does it mean that Christ paid for our sin? Uh, so but when uh, when we believe and accept Christ as our Savior, we believe that He took our sin on Himself. He paid our debt that was due, and He bore all of our sins on Himself so that we could be made righteous in front of a holy God. Yeah, which was kind of what you just said yeah. as well. But I also have um, like three uh, scripture references here. I got First Peter two twenty four. Uh, just to back up everything that I just said, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then I wrote Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming... Uh, by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Yeah. And I don't, just hearing you say that, I don't think we're ever going to say it enough, you know? Like, it's the gospel. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've shared a lot. Like, I grew up in church, and I just never heard that, you know? Like, you just think you're a sinner, and Jesus died for you to forgive you. That's about all that we had, I, all that I ever really heard. Um, I didn't hear about him paying my debt, taking the wrath of God, what that meant, and giving me his righteousness, which would have been super helpful as a, maybe as a struggling teenager who constantly felt like he was a failure. I'm like, yeah, that would have been, yeah. um, so maybe people were telling me and I just was selfish and didn't listen. So who knows? <laughs> All right, three, pursue Christ above all. Back-to-back questions. Why does Samuel tell the people to not be afraid? Uh, He tells them, even though they have sinned greatly, to continue to serve the Lord with all your heart. And I literally asked you this question right before we started recording, and you said, (laughs) because hope. (laughs) The answer is hope. Yeah. That's what I think it is. You know, it's the way it reads. You know, like yeah. he doesn't like when he, he says, do not be afraid. He said, for you have sinned greatly. Um, maybe we just summarize like churches miss 
both of those, miss one of them, you know, mm-hmm. either they're like, do not be afraid, and they're false prophets and never talk about sin. Or they're like, all they talk about is you've sinned greatly, and they don't offer anyone hope. And I think Samuel is, is saying, do not be afraid, because there's hope, there is hope, yeah. but also like, you have sinned greatly. We need both. You need to understand both realities. Um, so, yeah, hope in many ways. The story's not over. Um, all right. Where are we at? Uh, to you, why do we all desire satisfaction and salvation? Simple answer. We want to always be okay. This is a de- I, And I mentioned this is a desire everyone has for all of human history. We want to always be okay, and we want all the difficult things to go away. It's, I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. who you are. I don't care where you're at, um, whether you believe in God or not, whether you you hate God, it, regardless of what where you're at, you want those two things. Yeah. We want, you just want like you want to feel good and comfortable and fine, um, almost at all times, and uh, you just want all those hard, difficult things in your life to go away. Every single person. Yep. So. Let's can we come back to your question because I think yeah, it'll so make we sense. Skip and go yeah. To your next one? yeah, I think it'll make sense to explain okay. that. Uh, so, Jason, how does Christ fully satisfy? All right, so we just talked about. It. Let's talk about satisfaction first. Um, our biggest problem in this life is not that we aren't comfortable, or that we don't have enough money, or that we have some physical or mental issues we're dealing with. And I'm not trying to downplay any of that or anyone's suffering or any of our desires. I mean, it's just not the biggest problem that we need satisfied. Um, Our biggest problem is that we stand condemned in our sin before the Holy God. That's your biggest problem. And trying to be universal, that's everyone's biggest problem for all of human history. You stand condemned before a Holy God. So Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone. Yep. Um, and then it says, and are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, big fun word, <laughs> by his blood to, re- to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, we're not going to go through all of that, but Christ came to satisfy our biggest need. Yes. And he came to satisfy the wrath of God on our behalf. So, in so doing, he offers us salvation through that, through faith. So, Christ fully satisfies. Because he's the only one that is capable of satisfying our biggest issue and mm-hmm. saving us from all things. So, once we become fully satisfied in Christ, then we can more appropriately enjoy the things of this world. Because we're not looking for the things in this world to fill what only Christ can can fulfill. Yeah. That I think... Even as I typed that out, I was like, oh, that makes way more sense to me now that I 
typed it out and thought through that. Like, why why is Christ uh, satisfying, fully satisfying? And because he satisfies your biggest need. And then if you can get on board with that, then everything else in this, like you can enjoy sports without losing your mind and being like, like just you can enjoy sports, be competitive and have fun, but that's not your God. You're not looking for that to satisfy. Um, You can play video games. You can go on vacation. You can go on a hike. You can, I don't know, play music, whatever, you know, you like doing that's not, self-destructive and anti what scripture says um you can do all these things and you should but you do them through an appropriate lens because you're like i'm not looking for this to fully satisfy me christ has already satisfied me and when you get that then you can actually enjoy the other thing more um so you can hike and then if you're like well at 70 or 80 years old Maybe your knees give out. You can't hike anymore. I'm like, all right, well, your life isn't over because your satisfaction wasn't in hiking. It was in Christ. Yeah. And yeah, you can be bummed by that, but there's you can be satisfied in Christ alone and enjoy other things in this life. So anyways, that was helpful for me to type out. If it was helpful <laughs> for anyone else, go for it. Um, all right, so let's go back to your question do you think internal desires, we're still talking about desires, has become the false god of our age? I said, yeah, anything that you put before God or idolize is a false god. Uh, there's a case to be made for, for internal desires. I mean, for an example, you have it, it's my truth. Um, the phrase is thrown around, uh, thrown around a lot and has little or nothing to do with real truth or, or God's truth. Um, I mean, people seem not to care about God's truth anymore and want to follow their own desires, thus making their own God that they're following. So, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I I think the present age is saying ultimate truth is found by looking inward. If you can get in there and discover what you really, really desire, who you really, (laughs) yeah, whatever it is, who you truly are, who you truly are inside. And then you can live that out. Well, then you've like, I guess you've reached the pinnacle of being a human, I yeah. guess. Um, you're, you're living out uh, your truth is what you mentioned. And we're saying that real truth is found externally mm-hmm. uh, through Christ and what he says. So um, it's incredibly countercultural. Yes. <laughs> it's incredibly countercultural. And I think Christians are having... Christians are dealing with this. It's not like, oh, this is a problem for everyone in the church, outside of the church. This is a problem inside the church where Christians are trying to find truth internally. And it's, um, I think I mentioned, like, not only is that exhausting, but, like, um, desires change. I mean, your desires will change, so... It means you're just constantly looking for whatever whatever new truth new pops truth up pops week. up that week, and um, I think that's why our culture is so confused at times. Oh yeah, about that's uh, so why. I, I mean, you look at <coughs> I mean, there's I haven't even clicked on the link, but it was talking about like American teenage girls are in trouble. Um, it's a completely secular article, but it, um, I know it was referencing 
like just the rise of mental health issues in teenage girls and suicide. And I'm like, why, why do you think that is? It's because teenage girls primarily are living on the internet mm-hmm. and constantly feeling inadequate and trying to find meaning in whatever desire comes in their mind mm-hmm. based on whatever the culture is trying to tell them. And it's a never-ending, always-changing target. Yeah. So no wonder you feel inadequate, failure, exhausted, you don't live up. Um, yeah. And the culture is trying to tell you, like, you can, just keep just keep looking. And Christianity <laughs> is telling you, no. you can't live up. Yeah, embrace it. Yeah. Embrace it. You can't live up to it. And that's why Christ had to come. So it's just incredibly countercultural. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. All right. What are we at? Main, main point, point: Fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. One of my best main points, because that's exactly what Samuel said. Well, then you can wrap it up with this final main point question: What does it mean to serve the Lord with all your heart, Jason? Romans twelve, one through two. Um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing and you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we talk about serving the Lord with all your heart, it's not like when we t- when the Bible talks about heart, it's it's talking about your whole being, like your will, everything. So we talk about what does it mean to really serve the Lord with all your heart. It's you're giving the Lord everything over. Yeah. Like whatever dream you want uh, for your future, let's filter through what the Lord wants. Um, what college you're going to go to it doesn't mean that um, you can't. You got everyone's going to go to a Bible college. It just means like if you're going to go to college and you're going to get a degree, how can you use that? To glorify the Lord. Um, how can you spend your time in college not getting trashed and partying like most college kids? How can you use that to invest in others and love your friends? And and I don't know. I mean, I guess start a revival at your Asbury <laughs> College. <laughs> no, as a cheap shot. Um, is it over? Did they cancel it? I thought I, saw, I watched a video the other day where I... Asbury's like, no more revival, it's over. They, I think they... Like, they I don't know. I haven't verified the video, but they said that they were stopping it like on the 23rd of February or something like that. Yeah. Probably because it was like a legal nightmare. You know, and you got people from all over the world showing up um, just to be there, I guess. The video I saw said that they, they stopped it like on the 23rd, but the next day, Francis Chan was going to be there. Uh oh. Francis is coming into town. <laughs> Start it back up. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I haven't verified any of that. I've ever I love Francis Chan. I know he's he said some wild things sometimes, and you're yeah. like, Francis, is that what you really believe? <laughs> um, but he has yeah. said some super helpful things over the years, which I don't know. The guy, he can be super mean. Mm-hmm. You think he listens to this? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, simply the idea is like you're giving, you serve the Lord as everything. Like if you want to play basketball, yeah. For your your junior high or high school, it's like, how do you play basketball to glorify the Lord? Um, probably not going to be cussing out the other teammates or, 
you know, saying crazy stuff to the ref. Probably going to be respectful to your coach. Yeah. Um, you're probably going to be pointing uh, your friends and peers to do what is right. Like, um, those are those are kind of teenager youth ministry kind of application. <laughs> but your job or um, as a grandparent, like, what kind of grandparent are you going to be? You're just going to be like grandparent that just gives your grandkid anything they want. Like, on some of that, I get it. Grandparents spoil their grandkids. Yeah. But it's, are you going to invest in them? So when you pass away, your kid, your grandkids come to your funeral and they're like, grandma or grandpa love the Lord. Yeah. And we saw it all the time. Yeah. That's what it means. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Um, and yeah, we could, did I tell you about writing my mom a letter about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never shared that. It's been a while. Like I, I was, a, I was being a, a punk teenager being super disrespectful and um my they i don't know what they did i'm sure it was i'm sure i was being petty i'm sure it was just a normal parenting you know like i think parents aren't consistent with their punishment because you're just like you're just trying to make it through the day so sometimes you let things go and sometimes you don't yeah anyways i was (laughs) mad about something as a teenager and i went upstairs as a little youth group kid and wrote my parents a long letter about how they don't get me. <laughs> they don't understand what it's like being me as a teenager and the things that I have to go through. And I wrote at the end of the letter, Romans 12, 1 through 2. So they knew that, that their son was just trying to no longer conform to the things of this world. And they, were, they just didn't get me. <laughs> And I look back and think, how embarrassing is that? <laughs> you still have the letters to question. Oh, I'm sure. I hope no one has that. But knowing my parents, they probably have it somewhere. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're done. I couldn't think. I know these are terrible intro conclusion questions, but. Not your worst. I guess that's true. What was I? I was doing something, and this popped into my brain. So, random uh, conclusion question. It's nothing to do with um, spiritual growth. (laughs) What was the best 90s TV show, in your opinion? Boy Meets World. Were you going to say that? Boy Meets World? I have some honorable mentions on here, but Boy Meets World is number one. I think... um, I, I think I should say Boy Meets World. The only reason I would walk back on that is I started listening to their podcast and they ruined started ruining it for me. So I stopped listening to the podcast. And, yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times um, I'll watch an episode of Boy Meets World as adult and get like super emotional. <laughs> you know, just it's a good show. Um. I told you, there was that episode on Boy Meets World where Corey Matthews wanted to be more than his dad. Mm, And he said something super disrespectful to his dad. Yeah. And... So he didn't want to be a grocery manager or something? Yeah, and his dad, like, took him down to, like, some original storefront and just laid into his son. And that, that, like, that changed how I saw my own dad. Like, Mm. it, it changed how I see myself as a dad. 
And I watch my kids watch this stupid show like Ricky, Dicky, and Don on Di- oh, it's these obnoxious like triplets or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's the kind of stuff I'm sure every kid watched as a kid, but it's it's worse now because then like their dad is like this balding idiot you know it would just show from from you know like he loves his kids his kids love him but he's just like this goofy clueless dad and i can see when my kids watch that a lot they start talking to me like they think i'm gonna be this like oh that's funny kind of goofy and i'm like we don't talk to me or any grown-up like that um and it it is it has change like the 90s was there was so much more respectable men and father figures in sitcoms um that you don't see today and that's frustrating because it does it shaped me in a good way i think watching some of that so i was gonna mention too which i don't i think it was still going on in the 90s did you ever watch the wonder years yeah with Fred Savage, I did. That, yeah, I liked. I liked the one year. I don't know. I, I watched it. I, I don't know. It just didn't hit hit for me. I guess like I'm not like oh, I love the Wonder Years. And, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if there was any other. Bro, big... I got Fresh Prince. <laughs> yeah, Saved by the Bell. I used to watch Saved by the Bell every morning. Seinfeld, Friends, ER. Do you know they're they're rebooting <laughs> Frasier? No. Yep. I did watch. I was going to mention Frasier, but I was like, I watched it. And I have no clue why I watched it. I mean, I was, what, in high school? Well, it must, like I mean, it went on for yeah. quite some time. But, I mean, you know, it's a, a show spin-off. about it's a, spin-off a guy. Of Cheers. Yeah. I did and watch then, Cheers. That's okay. probably why I watched All it. Right. Now that you said that, I had no business watching Frasier. Yeah. A guy with a psychiatrist show on on the radio. I don't know. Dad watched a lot of Frasier. We watched. I watched Mash like every night. My dad was a big Mash. Fan. Yeah, I watched Mash. Um, usually, either Dad was watching it on his little TV up in the bedroom, or they'd watch it at night. Or here's one, and I'll be done. I would go to bed, and my parents would watch like reruns of Everyone Loves Raymond, and cackle i mean like shake the house <laughs> laughing uh, watching this show and i just remember being in bed with the door open and just be like i can't like <laughs> they're so loud <laughs> so it's fun being a parent now you know the kids are like can we have some jelly beans and i'm like no <laughs> so no it's eight o'clock you're not eating jelly beans and then as soon as i go to bed i pour myself a bowl <laughs> of jelly beans <laughs> I'm like, hey, I earned this. I earned it. All right, you want to pray? I can. All right. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you again for this time that we can uh, get together and dive into your your word. Uh, just thank you for your, your unending grace, Lord God, that we have our salvation uh, as we put our faith in your son, Jesus. Uh, thank you for uh, restoring us. Uh, thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, continue to uh, guide us. And help us to uh, move your church through your will. It is in your son, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.